Thank you, Pastor. Our text this morning comes from Psalm 127. Psalm 127. It says this. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this hour. Lord, this is an opportunity that that we as fallen men get to proclaim the mightiest of truth, Lord. Would it not be in our power, Lord, but in yours and yours alone. Speak to us your promises. Awaken our hearts, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know this... uh, Past Wednesday morning, uh, some of you might might know. Uh, some of us sat out on a trek. Thirteen men and two boys gathered here at the church at six a.m. to head to a place known as Mount Pilchuck. Now, if you're not familiar with that mountain, It lies situated in the Mount Baker Snoqualmie National Forest in the North Cascade region, right off a mountain loop highway. We uh, arrived there about two hours after we set off to ascend this this mountain. Uh, At the front of the trailhead there, is a a large sign put up by the U.S. National Forest uh, Company or government agency. And it it, it says this, Warning! The Mount Pilchuck Trail is a steep mountain trail that is sometimes hard to follow. The weather on the mountain can sometimes be extreme. It is three miles each way and gains... 2,200 feet in elevation. Search and rescue teams are frequently called to this trail to rescue hikers. Now this morning, this is is not an advertisement or or lack thereof of one for the the next men's hike that that we set out to do. And men, you are certainly welcome on the next one. Uh, But it it got me thinking uh, this week um, as we are in our text this morning, of, of a different type of ascent. 
Uh, title at the top of Psalm 127, you, you might see that, a, a song of, of ascent. Um, you know, these were, these, these were psalms that the Jewish people would, would, would pray or, or, or sing. It, it comes from, they, they would label it as the psalms of the, the great Hallel, meaning praise. And now the, the Jewish people were, were making their way up to the holy city, Jerusalem. They, they gained approximately 2,700 feet. And, and they were very, there was an event that awaited them. They, they would do this three times a year to attend various feasts. You know, as they would ascend in, into the holy city, they would recite these. They would, they would sing them. It was a reminder, not, not only that they were about to go partake in, in a feast, whether it be the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread or the, the Feast of Weeks, they were going there with a purpose to honor God. It wasn't just a physically trying ascent, but a, a spiritual one. And the teachings from this psalm are very practical. You you might notice there that the author of Solomon, we normally equate Solomon with wisdom. In the Psalms, he's noted as only authoring two of them, probably a bit more, but what Scripture notes, two of them. So this is a Psalm of wisdom. It reminds the Hebrews and us of of practical truths. And it not only the, the practical truths, but practical truths in this psalm particularly of daily living. It contrasts the way of the world and the way of God, the way of folly, and the way of wisdom. And this is why we're here this morning. To learn of those truths. To learn of those practical applications We must ask ourselves, where does the Lord have us today, in 2022, here at Emmanuel Bible Church? How are his truths impacting us? How is his intervention in the daily living of the Christian working its way out? So that's our pursuit this morning. And and when when I look at this text, I see four of them. And that is my goal this morning, to reveal those, to expound upon them, and see the, the riches and promises of God for his people. That first truth, promise, in verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. You know, the, the house, that terminology really, really stands out. And I'll bring some clarification to that. You know, the, the Hebrew word for that house is pretty much a very general term. It could mean place of worship, or it could mean the home. You might know that Solomon was commissioned by God to build the temple of the Lord. First Kings 6.1 said that 480 years after the time in Egypt, God came to Solomon 
and told him, build a house for the Lord. You might even recall that before that, there, there was no permanent dwelling, no permanent temple of the Lord. They went about in a tent or a tabernacle. Right? Exodus 25, 8, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Right? This, this dwelling of this temple had its, its purpose. It was not just a, a place for gathering to uh, for just the sake of worship. It was, a, it was that God would dwell within their midst. If, if we look at this the other way and, and say exactly if the Lord builds his house, we might think of domestic life. And, and I would think just, just viewing the context of chapter 127, domestic life seems to really be in view here. But, you know, there's a lot of similarities, though, between the house and the church, is there not? You know, God has ordered the home in a way. He has given distinct roles for husband and and wife and children. And he has likewise created the, the same order within the church, an orderly worship service. It is everything that is conducted is not for the sake of vanity, but for the sake of the Lord. So we can, even though there's this distinction, there's, there's very much a lot in common, whether it be the home or the place of worship. The application remains the same. 1 Kings 6, 11-13 says this, Now the word of the Lord came to Solomon concerning this house that you are building. If you will walk in all my statutes and obey my rules and keep all my commandments and walk in them, then I will establish my word with you, which I spoke to David, your father. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people. See, that was the reason. That, that, that was the reason that, that the house was being built in the first place. You see, we could have every crafty idea, every sort of committee put together. We, we can finance to the best of our ability. We can make the Red House big enough to house 10 missionaries. But if we build not with the Lord, it is in vain. And the same can be said of our our homes, to educate our children, to make sure that they grow up and become good citizens. To what end? It must be a building of the Lord to accomplish this. So, first, in the house. Secondly, you will see there, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So this is talking about the the residing places of his people. Here we see a, a city in view. 
Maybe it, it brings to mind another one of Solomon's words of wisdom from Proverbs fourteen thirty four. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So we are looking now at, at the intervention of God within the dwelling places of his people, right? We could substitute righteousness exalts a nation with righteousness exalts a city or wherever you may reside. It is almost this common grace that, that God gives us, though it is not nations or, or cities that are Christian, people are Christian, but a, a general rule of, of good and law and order brings about blessing. Of course, we, we know from the Bible when cities drift from this, when nations drift from this, that it is quite the opposite, and the Lord's hand of blessing is removed. Sodom and Gomorrah. The outcry against its people has become great before the Lord. Right, so the Lord rained down fire and sulfur. What about the unrepentant cities of Matthew 11? Woe to you, Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum. These were the cities where Christ performed amazing miracles, right? Before their very eyes. But they refused to repent. You know, Ezekiel gave a, a warning to such cities that, and nations that would not follow the Lord. It says this from Ezekiel 13:10. Precisely because they have misled my people, saying, Peace, when there is no peace. And because when the people build a wall, these prophets smear it with whitewash. Say to those who smear it with whitewash that it shall fall. You know, when a, a city likes to have the uh, appearance of good, on the outside, maybe they throw out key terms such as inclusivity, pride, or say terms such as love is love. Maybe they have the appearance of good. Or is it just whitewash? When a city flaunts their sin, has turned from God, the Lord's protection is removed. Notice it says there that unless the watchman stays awake, it's done in vain. I guess it doesn't matter how many boys in blue you have patrolling at night. You no longer have abandoned reason for madness. The blessing is removed. But I have to say this. Where does the church come in? Because that's, that's the second part of it. Because these are the cities in which you and I dwell, right? These are the cities in which you and I inhabit. Where... 
does the church come in? You know, there is a response. There is a response. Uh, The warning that Christ gave those churches in Revelation was to be effective churches. Otherwise, the warning was that their lampstand would be removed. We are still, even though we live and, and dwell within the cities of wickedness, we are still called to minister and proclaim Christ mightily to them. That is our calling as the church. The Lord will accomplish his purpose through fallen sinful people like us, but allow us to be part of that work. I think sometimes it's easy, and I think we can resonate with Jonah after he unwillingly proclaimed the truth to Nineveh. He marched up on that hill after he was all said and done. And he, and he overlooked the city and waited for the fire and brimstone to fall down on it, right? I think sometimes that, that can be us. But no, no, there's work to be done. And the Lord in His timing, right? We understand that a, that a judgment will come to a people who have abandoned Him. But right now, we are here for this purpose to intervene and to proclaim the gospel mightily. Praise be to God that we are given this opportunity. That's God's intervening in the dwelling places of his people. Thirdly, God's intervention in our job, in our work. It says here, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, earning the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. You know, work is a good thing. Uh, the Bible has a lot of good things to say about hard work. But, you know, we know since the fall, I'll just remind you from Genesis, because of the, the fallenness of man and its sinfulness, sinfulness cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. So though work is good, we know that in some way it is, it is painful, it is physically difficult. So I don't want us to be confused when, when we look at verse 2 and we, it says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. That's good to do that. I mean, for further reading, go to Proverbs 6 and see what he says about the ant. But it is in vain if it is not done with the blessing of the Lord. And we see this theme, right? This is us living today. In all that we do, it is to be done with the blessing of the Lord. If our work done is done and, and committed not to seeking the Lord's blessing and not to, to seeking His guidance, then it is just anxious and, and worrisome toil. 
a never-ending pursuit to, to whatever we are trying to obtain or do. And notice that the bread is not pleasing. Even after a, a long day's work, maybe it, it, it bogs down the mind of those who are not following the Lord that, oh man, another day, the same thing, the same task lies before me. So Solomon calls it vanity or vain. And we just see him over again referencing this word. This is now the, the third time he has said it. Right? Building the house without the Lord is done in vain. Those who uh, remain within the city and are not following him, the blessing, the watchmen watch in vain, and now our work committed to the Lord without the Lord's blessing is done in vain. You know, Solomon, in his many words of wisdom, uh, it might bring to memory because our church went through the book of Ecclesiastes. And he really liked to, to throw, Solomon really liked to throw that word out. Vanity. Vanity. So much is, is vanity. The wisest man to ever live saw this in, in all of his pursuits. But, it, but he says this, from that book, there's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? You notice that the, the purest work, the, the greatest enjoyment that we get, and it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if, if you're serving within the church or you're a garbage man. If you are accomplishing your work and, and serving the Lord within it, that bread is satisfying at the end of the day. Yes. That hard labor, praise be to God. Notice an all another important thing that he provides is sleep. Sleep. I'd have to say from personal experience of my time as, a, as an officer and detective, seeing the, the horrors of sin just played out in, in real life. What a blessing to be able to go home and fall asleep, not be plagued with nightmares. It's a blessing of the Lord. Next. The Lord's intervention in raising a family. Raising a family. It says here, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Maybe we think here that, that Solomon's agenda or, or purpose for this text is somewhat changed. And maybe we might say, oh, well, he, he talked about the, the practical living and seeing the Lord's blessing, to now just talking about children and being thankful for them. I would argue that everything is going together perfectly here when he's speaking about the Lord's intervention in all aspects or many aspects of domestic life. And that includes the blessing of children you know, we 
we live in such an age, and I would say this has happened for, for many of the past decades, that our society by and large doesn't see an appreciation of, of children. I, I see much of it out there as a hindrance or, or a, a burden or a, a difficulty. We could also see this in, in what children are being taught that there's very little care for their minds and the impressions. But biblically speaking, right, children are a great reward, a huge blessing from those of the tiniest in the womb to those born, right? Children are a reward. Notice also that it's okay to have a lot of them. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. It's okay to have six, seven, or more and go buy an econo line, right, to truck them around in. It is a great blessing. You know, we, we see throughout the Bible, and I, and I have to make a clarification on this, Though children are a great blessing, and and, and we see couples throughout the Bible that were blessed, whose womb were closed and were blessed later with children, Sarah, who bore Isaac in old age, and and Hannah, who was, was barren, had Samuel. But I'd like to just say that, as with the Proverbs, similarly here with the Psalms, this is a, a term of general expression, meaning that it doesn't apply specifically to everyone. We, we know that there are faithful Christian couples that haven't had the blessing of children, and they, and they are serving the Lord. This is a general expression of truth. It would be similarly, Proverbs 3, 1, it says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but... Let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace will add to you. We know that, yes, in generally speaking, Christians who follow the Lord are are blessed with long life. Not in every case. You look through the Fox's Book of Martyrs and see that. But children are a blessing. Notice it also speaks about here that like arrows in the hand of a warrior or the children of one's youth, we we almost see children as a sense of protection. And in the literal, this this term here, children, means sons. Uh, We we talk about arrows and you you think of, it it speaks of a warrior. Here you have a a battle scene in, in view at the raising up of the children and, and to that equip them that they might be as useful as arrows, show a protection, a physical protection, maybe in in times of war, maybe in times to protect the home. And this has been, for the most part, of human history. But it is not only just for physical protection. It is also much more. If you look at the last verse there, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. 
here we have in view uh, the, the parents at the gate speaking with enemies. This could be a, a legal battle. This could be maybe an accusation that has come against the parents of something that is false. Whatever the case, the parents are not just left there alone. Guess who comes to defend them? It is the children. The children say, no, 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 no. That, that is not true of my father. It, it, is, it is those who would not let those who, who bring about lies tarnish the family name. Children who have been brought up in the Lord will come to the parents' defense. Praise be to God. And you know, we know that this doesn't just naturally come about. Right? Children are just not going to naturally be prone to be effective as arrows or to defend their parents when it comes to standing up for them. No, that's our role as mom and dad, husband and wife. I don't know much about shooting an arrow or, or hunting, but I imagine if, if you don't affix the, the feathers on properly or, or choose a straight enough stick or fasten the arrowhead appropriately and, and sharpen it so that it has its desired effect, it's not going to be useful. Right? The, the, the blessing of children and, and it working within the family in ways that honor God just doesn't naturally come about. It's not just talking here about having lots of children in quantity and, and you receive blessing. No, it's exactly Solomon has the same intention here as he's talked about in the previous three interventions. That without honoring God, without seeking the Lord's blessing, it would be in vanity in raising these children. To what end? We know that if we leave a child left to themselves, as Proverbs 29 says, a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. So we are called to discipline, to raise our kids in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And that beautiful verse out of Proverbs 31, the proverb woman, her children will rise up and call her blessed. The hard work now of raising those little ones reaps a great and wonderful reward. Blessings in, in practical living Seeking the Lord's blessing. You know, we, we talked about ascending a mountain at the start of this service. If you are a Christian, you are on pilgrimage to a mountain. 
you might recognize it. That celestial city whose builder and maker is God. In Psalm 48, it speaks of this. His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth. Christian, we are on ascent to a mountain. And it promises to be difficult, to have toils and hardships of many kinds. You will encounter people that will desire to get you off the way to that mountain. You will have people to convince you to choose another route or perhaps give you some worldly wise saying to choose another way. I would say continue to seek the Lord. Continue to seek the Lord. You will find favor. You will find favor in your home. You will find favor even amongst the wickedest of cities. You will find favor in your workplace. And you will find favor amongst your children. But if you don't know this blessing... Maybe you, you're wondering, how, well, how, how can I please God? How, how can I actually get to this? Well, it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. And praise be to God, he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, right? That's the good news. That's the good news. We're, we're, not, we're not telling people to go raise a better family and, and do it by their own power. It comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And when you surrender everything you are to Him, though you will give up your life, will be the greatest blessing. So let us not forget. Let us not forget that in all our toils and all our struggles, let us look to the Lord the author and perfecter of our faith. Let us pray. Father God, you are good and, and kind. We are not deserving of your goodness. Lord, that you should be so kind to us sinners. Lord, let us remember your goodness anew this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your patience. For you are slow to anger and abound in steadfast love. In Jesus' name, amen.